The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's guest is the creator of ATC, that is Ariel Cohen. Ariel, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, Nick, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having you on your show and happy holidays and happy new year. And wow, I, I can't believe it. It's almost baseball preseason, huh? Right. We're getting so close. You know, I was, um, properly eliminated from the QB list, uh, fantasy football playoffs yesterday. I should have been. I was number one ranked the entire year, if you can believe it. Uh, but I lost the Scott Chu in the semifinals. Go Eric Smith uh, in the finals. Represent them well. But I'm I'm very happy that that's over with and done, and I'm put in my proper place. Because yeah, it feels like the middle of January is when it starts really heating up. Obviously, we do our launch in February. But for you, I mean, we're gonna talk a bit about ATC later. But uh, you know, it starts really revving up for you. I'd imagine in January. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start this week on my ATC regressions where I calculate what I'm going to put in the formulas for ATC this year. And then January, boom, boom, boom. It's projections 24 oh, seven. And, yeah. and then we get the good stuff. Oh man. So, uh, so we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, I definitely want to hear a little bit, not of course, ha- exactly the secret sauce, yeah. all, but just, you know, the, uh, the fun stuff in between. But, uh, before we begin with everything, Ariel, tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and where they can find you. Well, um, by day, I'm an actuary. By night, I'm a fantasy baseball projections guy and writer on fan graphs. I do write for Roto Bowler as well. And I have this podcast called the Beat the Shift podcast presented by fan graphs, which Nick, you've been on. Um, it's and, a great yeah, we, we focus there on strategy. Like we, we talk about players, but more than just the players, half our show is the how to's, how to use the waiver wire, how to do things. And I, I think it's really part of the game. And, uh, yeah, and that's, that's sort of me in a quick nutshell right there. And of course, reach out to Ariel on Twitter at ATCNY. Um, and, uh, by the way, I know I've mentioned ATC a couple times in the, the form of the projections, but you might not know a fun fact. Ariel, isn't that your initials as well? <laughs> by golly, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smart man there. Uh, combining the two into one. I love stuff like that. But, uh, but let's start at the beginning as I like to do on this podcast. And I, I want you to kind of give the, the paint the picture of young Ariel Cohen, your hopes and dreams and aspirations. Well, I was born in a snowstorm back in 1982. Really? I was. It was a pretty big snowstorm. It was like a 12-inch storm. 
Um, my my mom got stuck in the snow, and an ambulance had to get her and put, bring her the rest of the way to the hospital. But we'll fast forward a little bit after that. Um, <laughs> now I, I grew up in Queens. I grew up uh, about two blocks from St. John's University. And you on Friday nights you can hear them playing football right from the backyard. Um, and you know I was always a good student in school and. I wasn't a great athlete. I still am not a great athlete at any point, but I, I love sports. Uh, baseball was my number one. I used to be a huge basketball fan back when the Knicks were good, and I haven't watched sure. a basketball game in 10 years, really. You know, um, I remember I remember the late 90s, man. I was oh, yeah. so amped watching those games. When, Patrick when Ewing. Was, yeah. Oh. You know, uh, at the time, I didn't really understand how, you know, Lachelle Spreeball, you shouldn't be choking coaches, but there were some games that he had with triple overtimes and everything. I was so into it. Well, I remember uh, before then, the I remember, I remember the Knicks versus Rockets, where John Starks oh, yeah. and sure. I mean, that, that was the heyday. I was a huge to Starks me. fan. Oh, man. I yeah. mean, it's pretty easy for me, Ariel, too, because if they're called the New York Aerials, you'd be a giant fan of them. <laughs> That's right. So it, it was very easy for me as a kid to, uh, <laughs> to attach them. I, 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 I kind of think in the future, I will at some point get back into, um, watching the NBA because I mean, I coach basketball and everything too. I have an eye for it. Just, you know, it's baseball, man. I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta focus on baseball. So we'll see. Maybe yeah. one day. But yeah. So, uh, you know, I used to play ball. I, I played in the league. It wasn't really any that good. I did make my high school, uh, softball team, uh, during, uh, tryouts. And, you know, it was one of these crazy tryouts with like a hundred kids trying to try out and you get like one shot. And right. usually that just doesn't work out in my favor, but I hit, uh, long triple to opposite field over the right fielder. So that impressed them. And I made all my defensive plays. So I made the team straight out pretty much. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, now I, I started a, a softball league and I've been playing, you know, quote recreational for the last 22 years or so. Um, and uh, playing... correct me if I'm wrong. Do you keep track of your performances with it? I have scored every single game I've ever played. I actually this have is this. Amazing. And, yeah. And I, and I put it in the computer. I actually have the stats from every single game I, I love I it so much. Yeah. And yeah. You're like, how detailed did the stats go? Um, I can't reach on errors and, uh, I, I generate, uh, I don't do WRC plus or anything, but I do, <laughs> I do runs created if that makes sure, sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you, yeah. do you create ATC projections for your own softball league? <laughs> uh, no, although I, I have a pretty good idea what kind of hitter I am by now. Okay. Which, I, I would love is, to uh, see it though. I, w- I would really like to see <laughs> just how you fare against your own projections and your own performance, right? Uh, yeah. And we can really truly understand the human element, uh, to all of these if you do that. And maybe you'll set up a Hawkeye or well, two. Well, you know what the interesting out. thing is, I, and, and I think I might have told you this in person um, when, when we went to a ball game early this year, but um, one of the things I noticed is in the run runs created, which is a Bill James formula, is that it doesn't really match the runs of my team. Like, right. like why right. is the formula match? And I figured out the, the answer is reached on error because yeah. there's so many errors that there's actually more runs generated than the formula we would create. And I had Bill James on my podcast. And I told him that he's like, oh, I never thought to put errors in my formula. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. You know, there you th- go. there's a better formula now because of how many errors happen in your softball <laughs> league that it highlighted the fact. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's true. Happened. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's wonderful. So I so so walk me through this just a little bit more. Um, you know, you don't just all of a sudden out of nowhere start writing for fan graphs and, and start doing your projection system. What was the the path to that? 
Well, um, uh, I'm an actuary by trade, uh, which is uh, insurance math. I'm, I'm handling, uh, uh, I do risk management for my company. I, I, I do something that's called reinsurance for my company. Uh, reinsurance is insurance for insurance companies. So I'm helping my company buy insurance from another company to protect itself. Long, long story. It's, it's read up on that. It. It's actually very interesting. Well, well, it's interesting for me, I should say. Uh, but in any case, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I played fantasy baseball at a college. And then when I got married and I joined the synagogue, there was a synagogue league and played in it. And, you know, I just tried to uh, see what can I do to gain an edge, and I'm good with numbers. And the truth is, I really don't know how to project players, but I said, what's the best projection system to use? I couldn't figure it out. So I said, let's just use all of them. And then I discovered that some projection systems, if I looked at what happened last year, they were better at homers, and some projection systems were better at stolen bases. And so I started weighting them a little bit a little bit differently. You know, I put the stronger ones more and the weaker ones less, and playing time got its own formula for waiting and I created a projection system and I won the next year. I won the following year and I think I came in second place and then won the next year after that. I just kept winning and winning and wow, this really works. And um, I, I tried, uh, I looked online and I, I was a fan and I read fantasy land and I played this game called doubt wars, which is you played against the touts of tout wars and you can pick any player that they pick if you spend one dollar more. So if you wanted Fernando Tatis and Tatis went for 42 in tout wars, you can put him on your roster for 43. Like it's a weird salary cap league where the salaries are set by the whatever the touts did plus one. Sure. Yeah. And I, I put that together and I put my team together. And next thing I know, I, I came in second place overall so so i just want to understand that that sounds great the 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 auction draft prices are established by how they went as a mean i guess across the different leagues or maybe there's just one league Uh, it's taken uh, from yeah they they did each one there was an you can do an nl doubt wars you can do al doubt wars mixed doubt wars so so i mean but then you essentially have so cool you have 260 dollars you can spend it on anything you want it's not really the draft against other people right. it's just you can select oh man well i mean that yeah uh, we would i right. think all, you were in tout wars we're actually in the same league that's right um and, and labor uh, and frank took us both down yep. uh this year frank sample congratulations frank um well deserved uh but we would all say coming leaving the draft saying okay i would love to have had that guy at that price and this guy at this one um, so, but the fact that everybody is able to do that, of course, you know, uh, right. levels out the playing field. That's right. That's right. That was actually, it's a disadvantage because you get $23 less. You have to beat the touts by a dollar. Gotcha. Really. Right. So yeah, you're of sort course. of paying a little bit extra, but you know, you got to conform to the salary of 260 and all that. Um, and I, I finished in second place and I, I emailed the guy running it, Peter Kreutzer. I don't know who he is. And I said, Hey, I, I, I win all my home leagues and I, uh, I, I finished second in Doubt Wars. You know, what's next for me? What do you think I should do? And he said, how about, why don't you uh, try the NFBC, high stakes? Okay. So I did, uh, not a main event, I did an auction championship, uh, I don't know, $1,500 league, whatever it is, and we won the first year. And we did the same thing again the second year, and we won again. And Huh. Well, I guess you stumbled onto something. And in one of the leagues, there was a couple of guys, the Birchwood brothers, who wrote for, for Rotographs. And, yeah, we're talking to them. And how do you do it? How do you do so well? And you know, I told them about the, my projection system. 
And he said, you know, um, I think Eno Saris, our, our boss here, our, our, our editor, would, would love to hear about it. You mind, you know, can we get you in touch with him? I said, sure. And so I got in touch with Eno and he said, this is great. Can, can we get it on Fangraphs? Um, here, uh, let's talk to Dave Appleman. And I had a call with Dave Appleman and he's like, yeah, we, we'd love to have your projections on the site. Wow. All right. I, I got my projection on Fangraphs. That's amazing. Uh, and, and I, it was on, it was on Fangraphs for a couple of years. I didn't do any writing. And I don't know, two years later, Eno gave me an email and said, Hey, do you think middle infielders are undervalued or not? Or, or whatever the question was. And instead of me just writing, no, they're not, I decided to do a little research and I wrote basically like a three page article. Of course, um, yeah. Like, As you do, you when you do articles, you don't write an article. You write like five or six in a series. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to do the the research lengthy ones with numbers. Right, and those stuff are the fun charts. ones. Yeah, and um, so I did it, and you know, like, hey, can we publish that? I'm like, sure, that sounds cool. And then a month later, I don't know, I I thought of just writing another article, and I said, hey, can I just pop another one? He's like, sure. And then I think Paul Spore then became the editor. It was around the time right. that, you know, left, left yeah, around 2018, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I said, Hey, Paul, can I put bold predictions down? Sure. We'll post them. And I don't know. Maybe I wrote one other article that year or two other articles that year. And I just, you know, gave it, Hey, you want to post that? Like, sure. It looks good. Next thing I know in January, um, my phone kept dinging and dinging. What, what the heck's going on? Um, on Twitter. Um, I, I've just been nominated for article of the year and writer of the year. Like, what? What the hell? There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So after that, um, CBS approached me. Do you want to write for them? Um, Paul's like, hey, do you want to write for us uh, full time? And uh, yeah, that's really how it got started. That I just threw a couple of articles and I don't know, it seemed to work. And then right after that, uh, I got a message from Jeff Erickson. Hey, would you like to be in Tout Wars? What? Really? Are you kidding me? I, I I could not believe that email. And uh there you go. The rest is history. Man, and I almost beat you too. I was so close. <laughs> not weren't. a chance. <laughs> not, not not a chance at yeah. all for me to beat you. No, um it's actually kind of interesting on the topic of projections really quickly. Um this is the first year that we are gonna have projections. I don't oh. think I've actually like made it super um, I don't know. Super, I uh, announced. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't. I don't really tell too many. But yeah, public. Yeah, public. That's the word. Thank you so <laughs> much, so much, Ariel. Yeah, we're gonna be doing it this year because we felt. Yeah, it's kind of time. We tried to do it last year, and we actually spent the last year been working with some great people, Frank Bruni, Aiden Hall, to make it happen. And now we're actually in the state of looking them over and having me and a couple other people that I trust. Uh going through them and sifting to see if there's anything that we feel is abnormal or right, anything, right. you know, I'm going to put my stamp on the projections for starting pitchers. Like I can't let that happen where a projection <laughs> right, goes right, out right. of it. And it's like, I don't think I agree with that Robbie Ray one. And that's, wait a second, right. that, that can't be right. Sure. Sure. So it's, it's obviously going to be a different thing um, that you do. I mean, you don't have any sort of gloss over or, uh, any fine tuned process in the sense of, of trying to just, you know, you just take what the machine spits out as opposed to you going to an individual and saying, well, actually, I don't know if Fernando Tatis should have a hundred and four RBI. 
Well, I mean, for for the most part, it's for the most part, it's automatic. Um, there's all these errors that come out where oh, sure, I don't know, yeah. you know, data errors where I don't know some column got mixed up in some projections, and uh, now I have this picture projected for forty wins. What? Uh, you know, so you got to watch out for that. Um, I do massage the playing time though, because a lot of times yeah. the, the projections, cause I, I do an aggregation method and some projections are behind and don't realize that, oh, there's a position, uh, battle that, that was won or somebody's injured. And so I do comb through the most, it's most about the, uh, playing time is what right. I change. And isn't that the hardest part though? You know, come February yeah. and March, all these reports of this and that. How often yeah. do you find yourself going back and, and massaging that playing time? Well, I mean, I update uh, ATC twice a week when we get down to the end. So I'm, I'm constantly checking and I know I'm reimporting everything, rechecking everything, any errors come up. I, I do a, a delta. So I, I check who has changed the most since the last version. And that's why I focus on like, oh, all right, why was that a jump? Doesn't right, make yeah. sense. Did some projection pop up for no reason, drop off, you know? So it's, it's a lot. I mean, when you're aggregating 10 different projection systems, there's data errors in some, in one, if one projection drops off for some ridiculous reason, the whole average shifts uh, differently. And yep. so you gotta, you just gotta manage it. So it's, uh, it's a tough process. It, it really is. It's not, it's not something I can really push a button and walk away from. I, I really do have to put my manual, uh, uh, foot in it, but, uh, I think it's what worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, it's, it's really is the hardest part. I think about them. I, I've had a lot of tirades and rants just about the projection process in the first place. Um, which I'm sure you're the last person that wants to hear me say projections are stupid. Um, you they're not stupid. It, uh, they're definitely not stupid. Whether, whether <laughs> you, you, whether you believe it or not, or, or, or no. you know, it's not stupid. It's definitely has a value. And the, the truth of the matter is when you're making your rankings, you're making a projection. You don't know it right. and you don't put a number to it, but you're making a determination uh, uh, based on fact and, and you're making a so, projection. So. so the element I think about projections that are, you know, actually just before I even go into that, I do want to say the hardest part of them, I think, is understanding playing time. And yeah. it's so impossible to understand how if this guy gets hurt, then this guy might come up and then he might seize that opportunity, then he might do well. And then that changes right. the dynamic between this guy and that guy. And this guy underperforms, which then allows this one. It's just, right. it's, you know, right. He's the number two hitter for this. Nope. Sorry. He's now six and seven. Yeah. So now he has fewer plate appearances and it's impossible to, to nail that down exactly right. And it's going to throw off so many things. You know, if you, if you had a projection system that wasn't even that great at predicting, you know, as far as per plate appearance numbers, but you nailed down exactly the playing time, it would be so unbelievably helpful. It, it's right. And that's kind of yeah. what you're trying to do with ATC is say, Hey, here are the best parts of each. So you can uh, combine it into one. Um, but the, uh, the tirade I would go on about projections is I think it's utilized incorrectly a lot. Um, what I mean by that is Tat Wars, for example. Even being a weekly league, um, I certainly changed my approach and it worked out for me in, in this one. Um, I figured that I could do a pretty good job finding pitchers weekly inside of that league. Um, and I think I did a dang good job of finding, you know, I got Adam Wainwright and pa Patrick Sandoval, for example, in that league. Uh, I mean, there are many others, but I'm forgetting. But, um, and because of that, because the projection systems would say, no, you have to spend all this money on this or that guy. And for me, I was like, well, no, the strategy of the season, you know, the projection system don't, 
take into account that it's not a best ball league. You're not just plugging this guy in every single day and just forgetting about it and sitting back and saying, oh, well, I'm projected to have the, the second best hitting. Well, all right, I've won. I, I've got this and the best hitting combined and it's over. And it's about understanding, okay, yes, this is the ultimate projection. You can do variant stuff too. I know some systems do that as well. But really understanding uh, the kind of the outs, you know, I'm using that in, in air quotes, but the possibilities that can happen and what your strengths are in season, the management of it. And just getting a general idea of, am I getting a guy that I'm going to sit and forget? Am I getting a guy that's very volatile? What am I going to have to shift in season? And there are a lot of times that I think projections mess people up because of that. And they feel content or they don't understand the the closeness to replacement level or the the uh, closeness is not the best word. And I can't forget. I, I've forgotten the best word. And now I'm stumbling over sentences, Ariel. Anyway, <laughs> this is why projections to me are this weird nebulous thing. And uh, I, I generally have avoided it. I've even called them reluctant projections of mine in the past because I hate giving it. Because I know in season how much all this stuff just changes on a whim, especially with pitching. So that's my little tirade about them, but they are incredibly helpful to give you, at the very least, a sense of everything. Understand the pool, understand the the expected average performance of these, and then you can have your own little minor tweaks. I'm curious yeah. kind of how you use it uh, personally. Well, I mean, look, your criticism of projections is fine. Um, I, I don't think you're actually criticizing the projections in your tirade. I think you're criticizing the players using of it. Yes. That, Let's go yeah. with that. Yeah. And, and that's fine because you're not criticizing. I mean, projections are giving you the base. Um, if you're just not looking at things with variance, if you're just looking at expected numbers, they're giving the, uh, what an average possible year is like Jacob deGrom. You might see a projection system this year list him at 120 innings. But I'm telling you right now, he's not going to have 120 innings. It's either going to be like zero or 200, right? It's, <laughs> it, it's it, the shape of, of, of it is, is not exactly embedded in these average projections that most people look at. And, you know, the number that you, you can't just bid to that number. You have to understand, wait a minute. Do I want to take this whole risk? in totality or do I not? You know, right. it's, it, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I do projections all day long where I, I call them simulations and models and forecasting because when I, when I'm in, at work, I'm doing insurance and, you know, let's say we have some hurricanes. We have, uh, uh, we have property, commercial properties all over Florida and we have a hurricane model that is based on science. And we, you know, here's the frequency of what, uh, a Miami storm could be and the frequency of what a storm that come in from Tampa. And, you know, we, we model all these things. How severe is it? Sometimes it's not severe. Sometimes it's a category five. And you get a sense of the relative nature of uh, what a severe storm does to what a uh, less severe storm does. What's the probabilities for us losing $3 million in a hurricane, $25 million, $400 million in a hurricane, and, you know, based on that, we have to do our, our business. We have to set rates for charging customers, taking into account what the possibilities are. And I never think that you can know what these models are in totality, but I think that models are best used for relativities. So, mm. you know, if I have to buy and I do reinsurance, which is I'm buying insurance for my insurance company, you know, should we buy a $20 million deductible and $400 million of limit? Or should we buy 500 million limit and 25 million deductible? Well, I can't tell you that we're exactly going to know what the expected number is in terms of loss, 
But I can tell you that the relativity between different options, that is usually modeled well. So if you want to know the difference between DeGrom and Scherzer, you know, in total, what does that actually mean for your fantasy team? Probably doesn't give you a great sense, but to know how much more, what, how, how sooner you should act on him, relative, relativity really does work. Um, and, and so for that, I, you know, also projections give you a, an exact number. Like, you know, how much should you bid? If it says 20, well, at least you got something to hold on to. Yeah, Whether sure. you want to go a little bit more and say, I don't, I don't agree with the projections. At least well, it's like that's, a, a, yeah. it's like a friend almost saying like, Hey, I, I would probably say something around this. It makes you feel better about the decisions. That yeah. And that's why ATC is so important because ATC isn't just one friend. You're getting 10 friends with you. There you go. You know, right. So there you go. Let's take a vote, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's what uh, it is. But, yeah, so if, uh, first of all, I want to say once again, thank you for allowing me to have that small tirade on projections. I bring in a guy from ACC, and what do I do? It's like, ah, projections, shimajections. But uh, <laughs> I, I, what I think is, uh, so the, I really want to hone in, though, on um, how you use them, right? Are you just saying, okay, you know what? We're going to bid on Zach Wheeler right now, and Zach Wheeler, to me, is a $33 player. I'm going to stop at 33 then. I will not go to 34. How do you use them in an auction? Yeah. So um, I don't want to give it too much, right? We're, we're well, in the, yeah, a of couple. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, but, um, you know, the, the, the most important thing, the, if I could walk into any auction and have only two numbers available for me, right? It would be the projected dollars that a guy is worth and what the market is generally paying from the ADP or AAV, the average auction value. Like, right. what do I think it's going to go for? And what do I think he's worth? Okay. And if I see a couple of players that I think are worth, let's say 25, but the market is worth 20. I say, you know, these guys are very likely to be on my team or I have a decent chance of getting them. And maybe I find a group of three guys who have that similar thing that they're all priced at about $20 and they're all according to me four or $5 more, right? I'm getting a bargain on them because I do that prep and I find the pockets of value. I call them hotspots. I find the groups of players and I do that at $25 level at the $20 level at the $5 level at the $1 level. I do that for stolen base guys. You know, are there pockets of $15 stolen base guys or 15 to 20, you know, I group hotspots and I know that there's if I want a certain player, I want Starling Marte, I'm not going to get him in almost every league because there's going to be somebody who really likes him. But if you have four guys who you're indifferent to because projections say that they're similarly valued, there's, it's, there's a good chance that maybe I'll get one of the four, right? If, if, if on average they're going for a $5 bargain, maybe Marte will be more expensive, but maybe there'll be Jazz Chisholm for a $5 bargain and I'll get him and I'm happy sure. to get him. And and that's how I do it. I don't say I want a first baseman. I want a second baseman. I want a third baseman. I say, give me a $25 guy. Give me another $20 guy. Oh, there's a couple of guys at five. Let's make two hot spots and I'll get one on this list and one on this list. And you piece it together that way. And you know, some, it doesn't all have to add up to 260. Like I'm prepared if sometimes there's great values at $40 and sometimes there isn't. So for some drafts, I'm doing stars and scrubs and saying, I'll take a 40, but I'll balance it out with a couple of ones. But for some drafts, those $40 players are going for 50. Forget it. I'll move on and I'll take the $20 hotspot. So you got, I'm trying to be flexible as well. And you know, the projections help me get to the number. I do a lot of market research to estimate what I think the market's going to pay. 
And then I do the, all right, what's the plan based on those two columns of data? There you go. Beautiful. All right. So uh, we're going to talk away from baseball next. I, I honestly, I've gone out of my uh, promise to everybody <laughs> that this is not a baseball podcast. It is the friends of mine podcast. We don't talk about baseball. We want to talk about you personally. So we're going to do that. But before sure. we do, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Okay, so Ariel, baseball aside, and let's even say sports aside, we talked about the Knicks for a second, too. You talked about your softball team. Uh, you talked about being an actuary. What are your major hobbies outside of that? Because I know there's more to Ariel Cohen here. Um, yeah, well, I do play music. I, I used oh, to. Yeah? Uh, yep, I do. Um, what, what, do you, I, what do you play? Are you Is it piano, guitar? Uh, I play both. Play piano, guitar. I can do drums, uh, stuff like that. I, I oh, used man. to play bar, mit- bar mitzvahs and weddings. Um, Get out of here! Was, yeah, when I was a little bit young, and I sing. So uh, that, that, wait, oh hold, uh, on. I gotta. Oh, I have so many questions right now. Okay, first, <laughs> first musical instrument, a piano, piano, piano. Okay, and, yeah. and was this? So were you essentially like a singer songwriter at all? Yeah, I, I I've written a couple of melodies uh, in my day, uh, okay. but yeah, I I I started on piano. I took maybe ten lessons, you know, cl- classically trained kind of stuff, and I don't know, I, I seemed boring to me. And I just had an ear, and I just learned on my own, and I just started playing. And along the way, somebody said, "No, you don't hold your hand that way. You hold your hand this way." And sure, I took I took some music theory course in high school, and uh, that was fantastic. I learned how chords work and stuff like that, and you know, you just play and play and uh i can now go to any song on the radio and hear the chords and know in my right. head all right that's an a that's a b that's a d that's an f g sharp minor or whatever it is and and uh i can i can go and almost immediately play it right 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 the oh song my right god there. yeah ariel i i mean i feel the same way but i need to transpose it like i, I can understand the jumps and the and the, the changes and the intervals and stuff but i'm thinking like what is that root one is that a c is that a yeah know? once i get the first one they go oh okay now i know the truth you know what i was i was oh, like that good. too but but one i think one day i spent about four hours and i played the same song and i play it through backwards and forwards and then i would jump a key and play it a half step up right and i played the entire song in that and then after that i played it in the next half and i think i went like 12 cycles uh, four cycles or whatever it is around the whole keys and just, i just got used to playing every yeah. single oh, that's key. great and, and, and there yeah. you go oh, piano's so good for that too i uh i took lessons when i was a kid uh, i remember those recitals that i used to have and everything and then once i got to about I want to say sixth, seventh grade, you know, sports got in the way. Um, and, uh, right. and I didn't really return to it until I learned guitar around just before I turned 17. 
and right, that really right. just took off and that was everything yeah and and uh then we had uh you know in high school we had a band so uh you know you know my podcast uh made uh ruvain right ruvain guy oh of course yeah yeah so um uh, the way i met him was his brother his brother judah was actually in my high school class Oh, wow. And uh, he's the musical guy, and he did the drums, and I did uh, the keyboard, and we would go play bar mitzvahs and parties and stuff. So, so and what were your songs? I, we, we mostly did Jewish music. Like, uh, it, it's uh, for, for musicians, they know them, at, at, they're called D minor gigs. You know, okay. um, it, it, every song is, is pretty much in, in a minor, it pretty right, much D right. minor or, or G minor or something like that. Um, bunch of, bunch of Jewish music, real, uh, mostly Orthodox, uh, stuff. And I tried to keep up with whatever was going, going on in, in the Orthodox bar mitzvah wedding world. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of like how you, you followed that even now, like where, what, you know, the, the blogs or the, the, the Twitter <laughs> accounts you follow for that. Um, you know, you, 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 you go to a couple of weddings, you hear them, maybe have a couple of tapes. I, I have some friends who are in big Jewish bands and, and that's what they do. And so, you know, I get some new music from them and I, you know, you, you go to one, you start playing. Sometimes right. you, you don't even have, you don't have to know the song and, you know, you go over and the, and the guy will shout, it, it, just uh, D minor C, B flat, that's it. And just, you know, just yeah, go with right. it. And, and then you just go. Yeah. And yep. two, yeah. And two seconds you hear it. The guy starts singing and hey, you just figure out the music, you know? Sure. Uh, did you guys have a network. name for your little crew? I didn't. I just uh, Ariel Cohen Orchestras. I mean, that's about it. Oh, okay, you know? that's not so yeah, bad. ACO, just... you know, <laughs> right? Part of right, that. Right. I get that in my bar mitzvah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we did that, and uh, so that was fun, and uh, yeah, and and you know, I, I met I met Ruvain through him. That's that's really uh, that's, that's awesome. really how that worked. Yeah. And there must have been some pop songs that were in your back pocket. Yeah, I mean, whatever, you know, I play songs, uh, whatever, uh, show tunes, a lot, a lot of people want to show tunes, because when you do a lot of, uh, like, uh, smorgasbords, and there's some background music, so, you know, you play some Broadway stuff, and but play some the, Kenny G stuff, Ariel, and, you know. the people want to hear that one song where you're saying, hey, Ariel, play me, play me something on the piano, and you're just like, all right, you crack your knuckles, you, you lift up your shoulders, lift up your wrists, and you go into this tune, what is it? <laughs> Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, different people want different things. You know, I'll tell you the funny thing, though, is the most requested song I, I always get was Happy Birthday. Somebody's birthday oh, sure. in the crowd. Yeah, right. And I mess up that song every single time. I <laughs> cannot Everyone play. Does. I can't, can't play Happy Birthday. <laughs> I can't sing it because you start and what's the first note? What key? I, I can't even remember what key I'm, I sing best sure, for yeah. Happy Birthday. <laughs> so that's, that's my heart. I hate it when they ask me. And Every party, somebody asked me happy birthday. I'm like, at a certain point, I'm like, all right, saxophone guy, you, you take it. Like, I might yeah, there you go. Beautiful. And, yeah. and so, so you started on a piano. Um, eventually you went off to guitar as well. Yeah. My, my, uh, father played guitar and I was in high school and I'm like, Hey, can you show me how to play guitar? And my dad wasn't, a, he didn't play notes. He wasn't like, uh, you know, electric car. You know, he, he didn't do that. Sure, so he played yeah. chords. He'd, oh, yeah. he'd sing folk folk songs, you know. He's a big old folk song guy. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Paul and Mary, the Weavers, uh, Joan Baez, you know, old stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and he showed me chords. And you know, once you get that, I mean, you play guitar, right? Uh, oh yeah. Once once you get the hang of the chords, then you know you pick up, you sing, and it it's good. And you know, you go to a campfire, you bring a guitar, and it's just rocking, you know. So, yeah, with uh, like, uh, with the guitar, yeah. it's there's essentially five chords that you know. Um, it's E, G, A, C, D. And then you throw in an F and a B are weird. 
Uh, you play F open or you bar it? Well, I, I sometimes <laughs> like. No, no, I, I you know what I'm talking it. about, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I generally bar it, but it's there's something eerie about an open F. Um, and I don't do yeah. I don't do like the 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 bottom four strings uh, version of the F. I always get that oh, bass okay. note in there. Oh, okay. you got to okay. do it. Uh, yeah. But with, then the next step always from there is once you get them, there's some, it, uh, you know, variations, for example, like a D minor or yep. you, know, you have the D sus four in there too and so on. D sus four, um, sure. Yeah. Sure. That's, oh, you got to do that if you want to learn like. I, I'm a big lines. seventh. I'm a big seventh note guy. I, I add Okay. Note, yeah. All the minor chords, I just do seven. A, just e, if oh. it's a, if you're in A minor, I play e, whatever E minor, I just throw in a seventh. You yeah, know, just, there you go. Just yeah, my style. The seventh is always a wonderful transition chord to me. And then, um, but then eventually you learn bar chords and yeah, bar chords yeah. are kind of your, I don't know, your ticket to freedom. And then you're just the going up of, and down the fret. Yeah, you, just, you can just it, cheat yeah. anything then. Yeah. yeah. Because in, in guitar world, there's what position you make with your hand. And right. then to make it, that's, that's just a major version. And essentially it's just the E shape. Then you just go up and down. That's right. And, and, the, then, and then the A, then you go in the right, A. Right, then the you learn the A yeah. one as well, right? But the real right. popular one, the one that's like, okay, the ticket for everything is the sure. E. It starts there. But then all you need to do to make it minor is you just remove your middle finger. And if you want to make it seven, you remove your ring finger. Right. If you really want to get kind of tricky, there's some fun shapes off of that. But just from there, for any you know basic chord book or tabs, you can play anything you want kind of. Yeah, through that yeah. that's it and once you're able right. to do that effectively and not you know mute the strings and actually get it down it doesn't feel right. awkward then you've unlocked guitar a lot yeah uh, then yeah. then it becomes a riffing but that doesn't sound like that's a that's a thing you do much no no my brothers are the more musical guys in that sense they play the saxophone the trumpet the violin the flute oh, wow. they play all the other instruments yeah, that's so. a true expression that's the yeah. uh there is in my house, there was music playing nonstop. Either I'm playing sure. piano or my brother's saxophone, or there's just nonstop uh, drums in the basement. And it, it just, it, if you wanted to concentrate and you were really bad with noise, my house was not the place for you. Like, it's just, <laughs> you well, know. okay. So what, I mean, yeah. what, what artists really grew you or that you drew you uh, to music? <sighs> I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't really have a, a favorite artist. Um, I, I I, I don't know. I I I I wasn't like that. I I okay. just like okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put play. it like this: yeah. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Thank Beatles. you. I, I'm so yeah. sorry to anybody listening that says Stones. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I don't respect the Stones. It's just there's always to be internally. I, I it, the Beatles are the best band that ever existed, and it's just kind of put them aside. Yeah, and I, there's it. Uh, this is such a personal thing to me. I'm biased. I, I grew up what, in Nile, so that what's your favorite? What's your favorite Beatles song, by the way? Um, I've I've often. I mean, there's so many. There's one something by the Beatles to me is just such a perfect. This from the first note, it's so well choreographed. Everything is so perfect. Yeah, um, Abbey Road is probably my favorite album, but Revolver honestly right. is just it's it, it was such a transition for them and right unheard of at the time. Um. And uh, like an actual moment where they where people started to realize, oh, music isn't just us playing something live and saving it. There's actually this element of the production studio that goes into sure. it too. It's not just writing the chords and then performing. There's this this actual yeah. element of engineering that is also music now. Right, oh, right, right. It's such a good record. It's unbelievable. But my anyway. favorite song is uh, is Yesterday. I just oh, it's of one of I those. mean. 
Yeah. Yesterday's so incredible. I think it's one of the most covered songs of all time. And um, yes, you know the story about yesterday, of course, with Paul McCartney, right? He, uh, remind me. <laughs> he dreamed it and woke uh-huh. up and, and, and wrote it and everything and then kept asking George Martin and everybody you know, what the song was. Cause he didn't believe he actually, invent, you know, created it. Really? He felt it was just his dream playing something back and it was like a melody. Yeah. This is how I feel about CSW, by the way, Ariel. I don't feel I actually <laughs> created that stat that existed. Someone is just way too shy now and embarrassed that they didn't say anything. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's how McCartney felt with yesterday. It's such a perfect. Unless my father claims ever. my father claims he invented OPS, but he never wrote it in. But he, he said <laughs> See, he thought about go. that. Yeah. Right. See there. Uh, please tell me if you thought of CSW before, you know, we became made a thing. Like, I want to I want to talk to you. Well, I, Reach you know, I, I, I've done this with, with fast, but I, I have this statistic, which I, I did uh, virtually the same time called WPDI. Right. And it's it's not the exact same thing because I focus not just on exactly the call strikes and whiffs, but I focus on the per pitch element. Right. And, and they're, they're all the so, different outcomes yeah. of each thing, of course. Right. So oh, yeah. it's similar. It does it does a certain thing. And and I, I think I wrote a couple of articles saying, all right, you can approximate CSW. With my statistics. So. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, we got to see more WPDI. We, maybe we got to come up with a different term. That might be yeah, a, a problem with branding. We got to get yeah, branding as part of it. Well, I was trying to do like WOBA, W-O-B-A. So oh, I see. Sure, sure, but, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even WOBA took a while. That yeah. was that, that's still people are like, what does that stand for? And I go, um, yeah. weighted on base average. And they go, okay. And that's yeah. Still, yeah, that doesn't help much. Does gotta, it? I got to come up with a better name. So maybe maybe that's uh, that's what I have to spend my next four weeks doing. Sure, sure. OK, so all right. So you understood Beatles better than Rolling Stones. Are you are you someone yeah. that is listening to music these days and discovering new stuff now? Or are you more just, hey, I, I know a lot of these classics. And that's really what I surround. To be with. honest, I, 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 I don't like the new pop music. I, I, I can't stand most of the songs on the radio. And I I. I I can't believe I'm turned into an old person, but I know I, I, I I've do been not an old like person since 14, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, I, I hate rap. That's the one thing that I cannot stand rap. It, Cause when, when I hear a song and maybe it's the same way for you, cause you're, you, you also play. I, I hear the bass note. The first thing I hear is bass note. And when I hear the same thing over and over and over again, I, I just, I can't hear it. And I cannot make out words. Like when I hear a song on the radio, I can't for the life of me make out. My wife can right. make out every single word. I can't make it any word. So I'm just hearing bum, 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 the same note, and sure. it's like it's like a drill in so, my head. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this a little differently. Um, I I don't focus on lyrics. So I have a ton of respect uh, for those that do rap because when I actually sit down and like look at the lyrics, and understand what they're doing, the craft of it is incredible. You know, the ability sure. to, to, you know, say, you know, say meaningful things and then all, you know, quickly and accurately and have a certain flow to it. I, under, I understand, you know, the rappers have different flow to them as well as just what they're saying. It's such an art. Um, yeah, but, but it's not, it's not music for. though. Like, it, I, well, I, I, I mean, it's, there's no the music. The definitions involved. of music are interesting. Um, I don't know. But right. It's, it's there's a no notes. Of it. 
it, it's right. look, it, it, you're an artist, you're a writer. It, 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 God bless you. I'm sure it's great. Like, I, look, I, 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 I can't go to an art museum and look at the paintings. And I'm like, wow, there's a dot there. Well, that's incredible. Like, I have no appreciation for that. So I just don't have an appreciation <laughs> for art. Well, okay. God bless so, you. But it ain't it ain't music. There's no melody. Well, I'm going to. OK, no so I disagree. It is music. No? Um, right. Well, there are you know, it, it is a form of sound that is expression. Um, and you know, that's so not, farting, a, but it's know. not, no, but it's no, 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 no. Yeah. But let's not compare <laughs> rap to farting. Uh, obviously you don't mean that. Uh, but it's, now, now know, it's not poet. It's not necessarily just separate poetry. There's actually a companion to that. And that's, well, music. there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to it. There's, right. There's, but I mean, it's, it's not, uh, not, again, not all rap songs are just one note or something. There's, there is a lot right. of them that do have all that stuff, but I am with you in the sense that. I look for something more melodic, more, right. you know, more, uh, more of a orchestra and accompaniment. I want to um, hear chord change. I want to hear interesting chord yeah. changes, dynamics and, and dynamics. And, and uh, you, you know who I like now? Writing. I'll tell you who I like now. I like pentatonics. Um, they, you know, you know, they are the, uh, I have heard the, of them. I mean, obviously I'm familiar with the pentatonic scale. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, okay. So there's this, no, no, there's this group called pentatonics and they do mostly, mostly covers of, Old, cla- old good stuff, uh, from different decades, plus all the new stuff that comes out. They'll, they'll do their Ed Sheeran and they'll do, you know, anything that's good. They'll do a Nicki Minaj or whoever it is. And they are so, first of all, they sing so well. Um, but they are so good at playing with speed and dynamics. Like they'll go slow and fast in the song, go really loud in harmonies together. And then one solo voice and they'll have two and three. And it's just, if you haven't listened to them, just, absolutely go on them they're they're fantastic and uh i i think that the best elements of pop uh that they do uh, are stuff that i i like as well so i i just like their their style of music and what they sing i mean it doesn't surprise me though that you know that you can extract from pop music these wonderful yeah, elements yeah. um but for the sake of money it's just not in the best interest <laughs> you know yeah. to make something more artistic and uh you know specified is not necessarily the the way that you make a ton of money and that's just the nature of it um so i i've i used to you know when i was a kid i was someone discovering Led zeppelin and going through grunge and stuff and yeah all my friends wanted to listen to a lot of the hip-hop and the rap and it just wasn't clicking with me and uh you know i've been that way for a while but i under you know as, as i've gotten older i've certainly a come to respect it more and b i mean i think truly understanding the nature of a lot of it is important you know, is this, is this trying, you know, what is the goal of this? Is it really just to kind of make money and be successful now with an okay? Is it actually as a musician expressing their craft? Then that's another story. And I think there's a lot of times that we can really distinction, you know, have a good distinction between the two. And yeah. it really helps me, you know, uh, stay as a positive person instead of having this rage of, oh, I hate that everybody's listening to this thing. They shouldn't be famous. My band should be famous or whatever. That stinks. I'm like the anti-hipster. I don't want to be the guy that liked uh, them before they were famous. I just want everyone to listen to the one I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, but I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm a different opinion. I like, you know, I like heavy stuff. I like rockets. Uh-huh. I like guitar so much. Right, so, right, right. Sure. But that's a beautiful thing in music. Why you like music and why you like the things you do is so weird and unknown. And everyone's going to have a different taste. There's no two people that have exact same taste in music. Yeah, and that's true. That's it's true. pretty dang cool. Uh, it makes us all hopefully take a step back when it comes to 
musical judgment. But all right, that's cool. So I didn't I didn't know you had this whole world, Ariel. I, I uh, had no idea. Yeah. No, I, I definitely do that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a bunch of other, a lot of time I spent is, is organizing sports leagues for my community. I, I run my league, my, uh, local little league. Uh, I run my softball league. We had a basketball program and now I'm doing tennis and running a pickleball program. If you oh, that's right. That. I remember you do, yeah. you play some tennis as well. That was something yeah. I used to play when I was younger and then of course I had to shelve, but I've always had a, an affinity for tennis. I've figured at some point in life I'd jump back into. Yeah. I, I like to keep active. And uh, when I'm not playing softball in the fall, winter, it's it's a great sport. And, you know, you know, in general, it's a good thing to get into into anything um, and music's included in that um, that you can really do for a long time. Like I found that playing basketball has a much shorter shelf life. Like I kept sure. hurting my ankles. Yeah. And oh, I'm I had- still playing and uh, I got destroyed a week ago. I got absolutely uh, or two weeks ago. It was my body, I, I'm not even kidding. I play from 9 to 11 in the morning and then came yeah. home and napped for four hours. Yeah. Oh, but uh, for oh me, it wasn't God. even fatigue. It was I, I kept hurt, uh, twisting my ankles. Yeah. And, you know, in football, you can't really do like uh, sports like tennis, pickleball. Um, you can play for a while. Even softball, you can play for a while. I may have guys on my team in their 50s um, and who play very decently and beat bunch of 20 year olds you know right um so you know and music is something you can do forever I mean, you can play a musical instrument till the day you die you know um so i I think it's worth it in life to find things that are sustainable for a longer amount of time and get good now and then you can enjoy them while you're older no i think that's a great point i i I got i dislocated my finger in i think 2018 2019 playing basketball but fortunately it was october so I didn't have to write that roundup every single night. Oh. Uh, but that fear is certainly there of just, yeah, Nick, you're playing basketball. You know, don't don't destroy your hands, please. Yeah. That'd be a very yeah. good thing. Um, but uh, moving away from uh, from all of that, I'm, I am curious. We haven't at all discussed um, entertainment in the form of, say, movies or, or TV. Is that something that you focus any time on? Um, I, I mean, I, I watch plenty of movies as they come on. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I, I, I've seen most popular movies that people have seen. Do you, um, do you have a specific take of any show, any movie that you feel very passionate about? My favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future. Is that um, right? And, and specifically, num- and number two specifically, I thought was even better than the first. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Why is that? Just with the time travel and, and going, they went forward in time, they went back in time and the whole thing about they had to change their past. I, I love the genre of time travel and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We're changing things. It's just so interesting. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I just love that. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a fantasy guy on TV. Like I, I ever, the whole world loves Marvel. I, I'm not really in love with it. My, my wife and kids love Marvel stuff and God bless it, but I can't get into fantasy and superheroes. Lord of the Rings was like the worst movie I've ever saw in my life. Oh my um, God, Ariel, stop this right now. So, I'm you sorry. can't, you can't say that. I, I okay. had to walk out of it. Okay, that. hold on, hold it. on a second. What? <laughs> I hated what? it. Oh my God. Ariel! Oh, sorry. No! <laughs> no, okay, at the very least though, this is, this is something I, I, I try to really uh, uh, talk about a lot is uh, just kind of like with rap. Sure, you didn't like it. You didn't, you see the story, you find this kind of, boring but the craft of creating that those films is unparalleled especially at that time just oh, the, yeah. the sheer scope and 
and all of the the effort and the craft of the filmmaking is so oh incredible. oh yeah well that movie was done very well I, I can't I can't say otherwise I didn't like it but I can see how other people liked it and it was definitely done well I mean look just like the Marvel like uh, uh the first the first Marvel movie I saw my my wife it was Mother's Day I'm like I want to see Endgame well I'm not gonna say no on Mother's Day sure this is and the first to- movie you saw. The first one, yeah. Oh my god! And I don't know what the hell is. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. It was oh three hours god. long, and the solution to the entire thing was, let's just build a time machine. That's oh the, that'll solve god. everything. So I thought that was ridiculous, but I mean, I can see how they got every single character, and you knew every storyline. I said to my, all right, listen, what sh- movie should I watch before then? Should I should I watch? It's like, okay, you have to watch these forty movies first. Yeah, it's like twenty films it. that builds up to it. Uh, I'm, you, the, know. The, you have to understand why it was so massive. Then though, there, there, there's such an yeah, incredible I, coordination I, across all these things it, to make it was this very film. very well done. And I, I I can't say no. I didn't enjoy it because I didn't know it was no. I didn't enjoy it not because I didn't think the movie was good. I just had no idea what was going on. Right. Well, but, I mean, know. that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, the uh, the Marvel films, and I mean no offense whatsoever, I, I think a lot of people would agree with this, it's fun to get sucked in. It, it's very much candy. You know, you're not going to find, I mean, some of them maybe are exceptions here, but you're not going to find the absurd amount of depth in true, you know, tr- the true drama and, and the actual, absolute craft. You know, there's going to be things like that, you know. Sure. Uh, of yeah sure. sure time travel is getting you, you push that aside because it's just a fun ride it's, it's just and, and, and once you yeah. allow yourself to yeah. just you know take it in and just like sit back and relax and not really think too much they're so entertaining yeah. um, and in many ways of when it comes to film if some people seek you know conversation of, of deep human emotion and philosophy and everything and expression of culture and such. And, and for, for Marvel, it's, it's just like l- loose and relax and just, I mean, I this d- ridiculous story is crazy. I, but I agree with that. I, I, I enjoy, that. I enjoy ridiculous, raunchy comedies. Just, they're just ridiculous. Like right. Dumb and Dumber is my, is my, the funniest movie I thought of all time. Um, I, I don't know why. And <laughs> I just like silly movies. Sure. Uh, I haven't seen it in years, but I, I mean, I'm sure I'd enjoy it again today. I did. Certainly it's when I was so younger. funny. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just, I, movies that are just, you go with it and one thing after the other, like I'm, I'm not a big action movie guy. Like, Cause it's just, mm-hmm. everything blows up, but I like, take the movie like speed. If you remember speed with Keanu, of course, Reeves. yeah, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it would just move so well. Like right. uh, the, mo- the, the action movies that just keep moving and moving, moving, they're just so suspenseful. So, you know, yeah. it, depends on the movie but so you're you're someone who really appreciates good pacing yeah i guess i guess it's the pacing that that really does it for me there you go yeah all right uh so so moving away from uh (laughs) from film and uh and movies going back to you personally question i ask the majority of people here do you have a personal mantra that you go by day day by day that you feel really speaks to you uh don't really i don't really go by mantras uh i i do my i i try to be good every day and i try to get everything done and i try to fit uh well i'm not gonna say the rudyard kipling's you know uh try uh, fill every minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run but i i i wish i would have 26 hours in a day because there's just so much to do and um yeah i, I don't know i i kind of like my the mantra of my former boss who's to say also um everything should be in moderation except moderation sometimes you gotta splurge 
Wow. This is, that's two of my mantras and one there. Everything in moderation and then there are always exceptions. Uh, that's it. Oh, yeah. wow. That's two of my five. That's incredible. <laughs> what what uh, are the other three? Well, the, uh, the first one is, uh, know your audience. Okay. Uh, so that's just pretty much understand what's expected out of you, understand the yeah. people around you. Cause it's not about you. It's about everyone around and being respectful of that and everything. Yeah. Then everything in moderation. And then there are always exceptions. Don't live your life rigidly. There you go. Um, steps, not leaps is one I, I really like, okay. which is, um, you know, tackling everything, the right mentality and not, not trying to, you know, give yourself right expectations essentially. Um, right. and then the fifth is don't suck. Okay. Just, just, just come on. Just don't suck. You know, just do everything right. you can make that a goal of your, yourself and just don't, yeah, be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but don't even just try for the, don't even try to be the best or whatever. Just, just don't suck. Yeah. Just, just well, start low and then all right, and so build from there. I'll, I'll give you another mantra and I don't know if there this is go. a good, I don't know if it's not a good one, but, um, something along the lines of no end to quit, but don't quit too often. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you, if I see I'm bad at something or if I see something's going to be unenjoyable, I, I'll get out of it pretty quickly. Um, right. But I, I try not to do that often. And I try to really see the value in things. And, you know, things you don't like can actually turn into things you really love. And you never know. And you know, I hated bananas go. as a kid. Now I like bananas. You know, bananas are you never know. So Absolutely. how about, how about and that? I'm, and look at this. You haven't quit this podcast. You survived. <laughs> Over 54 minutes with me. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough, Ariel, for coming on. Oh, sure. Uh, and uh, as we uh, conclude this episode, I want you first to tell everybody where they can find you, all the things that you're working on right now. Oh, sure. Well, you can find me on Twitter at ATCNY, which is the shortest Twitter handle in all of fantasy baseball. I beat Spore by a whole letter. But. Yeah, by one letter. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's really how I got the handle. Like uh, back before the the Twitter handles were included in the number of characters, so it was to your advantage to have the shortest one. And I wanted something with ATC, so uh, and I tried NY, and oh, that was available. So there you go. Nice. Um, I write for Fangraphs, the uh, Rotographs. Uh, I write for Rotoballer Sportsline. Um, I do the Beat the Shift podcast with Ruvain Guy. Check that out. Uh, if you want, want strategy, that's a great show for that. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I do uh, and where you can find me. And uh, we're just going to kick it up into high gear when the uh, the year turns, which is just a couple of days from now. Wow. Yeah. Can't believe oh, it. Man. Cannot wait. Uh, before we go, last question here. What is your biggest 2022 resolution? Oh, you know, I really didn't set those. Um, every year I say, let's lose some weight. So, um, maybe I won't do that this year. Um, <laughs> I, well, I started playing a lot more ball lately. So I've lost 10 pounds. So maybe oh, I'll just continue that. Yeah. There um, you go. but yeah, biggest resolution. Um, maybe be more in tune to my family's needs and, uh, get into their interests more. Um, that's always a good thing. And my kids play the video games and, seems like fun and i don't really play it so maybe i'll play more video games how about that that is uh, oh man this is so wonderful <laughs> i if you need help with that you can talk to me or anyone else inside the discord uh Oof. for picture list oh we, we're so ready to help you ariel but what a wonderful <laughs> note to end on uh thank you so much for being here ariel and uh my name is nick pollock and that was my friend ariel cohen <laughs>